Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Y'all, what's going down? We're having a pop-up sale for the Smart Funny and Black Bookstore, and it is happening this weekend only, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You can get 40% off at sfbbookstore.com. That's tees, hoodies, and good stuff. So make sure you go to sfbbookstore.com and get it while it's happening because it ain't going to be around, and it's going to sell out, and we are doing 40% off. So that means I'm showing you love, so show us some love. sfbbookstore.com, pop-up, 40% off sale this weekend. Go there. Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. I was about to say Smart, Funny, and Black, but Small Doses. I mean, Small Doses is a Smart, Funny, and Black show by nature of the fact that I'm hosting it. Nonetheless, Small Doses. Last week, we were talking about side effects of buying a house. You guys sent me so many good questions for DMT that I was like, I think we're going to have to do a special episode of DMTs. And I know I had said that we wasn't going to do a part two, but you know, life happens. DMTs happen. And I just felt like we should dedicate some more time to this because there was such an outpouring of inquiries. And of course, I'm not an expert, but I felt like there was a lot of questions that people were asking that I could answer. And um, so it felt good to do another episode. Also, I'm not going to lie. It felt kind of therapeutic to get this out and talk about it because I really haven't gotten a chance to decompress from this process. And I know that there's a part of me that doesn't even want to allow myself to because you're just like, this is material. So like, how are you like stressed about it? But then people are like, it doesn't matter. It's a home. Like buying a home, yes, is a material transaction. But at the end of the day, it's still where your safety is. It's where your heart is. It's where you grow. So it is a very important space. And like the acquiring of that space and the difficulties and the stresses of it, like shouldn't have to just be overlooked just because they're material. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So another thing, too, is that I've had people working in the house like for the whole time that we were that we've been here. So this is the first day that like we don't the first Monday where we're not waking up to just like strangers in our house taking all the old floor out. (laughs) You heard that how that note went off? Because that's how it felt. It's like, it's like, it's good. And then it's like, off keister. Um, But nonetheless, we are, we are settling in. The animals, people had a lot of questions about if the animals are settling in. And um, I will answer that question just off top. What we did was we gradually introduced them to the house. So like we have a small room that had a bathroom in it. And so like we started with them in that room for two days. And it was just the two cats in that room, and Jordy was being boarded at a, like a doggy daycare. I mean, they have a bone-shaped pool, so trust me, he was fine. Um, and so the cats were in there for two days, and that was also because, like, you know, that was during the move, you know? Like, I didn't want them to have to, like, deal with the stress of, like, all these people in and out and lifting boxes and et cetera. So they were in there for two days, and then we brought them up to our room, And our room has connected to a bathroom and my closet. So they had more space in there. And they were in there 
for two weeks. So while people were here working on the floor, we didn't want them to come down there. And next thing you know, we got Lando's footprints in the cement. So, you know, we, we didn't want them to get hurt or also to be inhaling all of that dust. So we had them in there and then I had Jordy in my office. And so I would take Jordy outside. And so that was how we were doing that. And then this weekend when the work was done, we opened up the house for them. And Jordy still has to stay on the leash and he still has to be contained because he's still a puppy and he cannot just be out here running around while and out in the house. Uh, I do let him do that outside. But in the house, we've let Lando and Huri now roam around. There's one cabinet outside of our door our bedroom door, and I swear to y'all, Kuri, that's that's where she at. That's, that's where she at. at. I, I I I hear her meowing other places a little bit, but I only see her on that cabinet. Lando, in contrast, I gotta tell y'all, I said this on my Instagram. Let me say it here. When we moved from my apartment that I lived in in Los Angeles to the house that I was renting, Lando really switched up. And I wasn't ever really sure what the reason was. Now, I know that one of the things that I felt was part of the issue was that when we first moved to that house, there were a lot of cats in the neighborhood and the house had a lot of like French doors. And so Lando was like kind of inundated with the outside. Like the outside just felt like it was always like right there for him. And also like the cats, I felt like kind of taunted him. So he became very cantankerous. Like he was just like, he would hiss at us and if you picked him up, like he would like get angry, like he would claw at you. I mean, like I just had never experienced that from Lando. And there would be times where I would talk to him and be like, you know, you can come and hang out. Like you can come in the room. And I'm telling you, he, I know he understood me because then he would show up that night. But like he wouldn't sleep in the bed. Like then he was mad about Huri. I mean, it was a thing. I have seen such an incredible shift in Lando since we moved in this house. Like, first of all, he's rarely not in the same room that I'm in rarely. And, um, he's also just a lot closer. Like he's back to coming and being closer to me and where Huri used to sleep in the bed with us every night. She hasn't been, but Lando's like right there, right there. And he's just like, I just feel a sense of calm from him. So people are like, well, that means you had spirits. You must've had spirits in the other house and Lando knew it. Lando sensed the spirits. And so that was what was the problem. <laughs> I'm like, I mean that, Hey, I don't put that past it, but I just know that like, I have my cat back. Like his energy just feels so much more like the Lando that we all grew to know and love from New York to, uh, my first apartment in LA to the house and to here. So it's just nice to see the animals adjusting and we're still, of course, not fully moved in and there's like stuff that has to be done, but they seem to be very happy with the new digs. Mm -hmm. So we decided to dedicate an entire episode to DMTs and these questions, some um, are related to buying a house and some are related to owning a house, but ultimately I want to remind people that I am not an expert. I have no problem saying I don't know to some of these questions. But a lot of them are also just kind of like my personal like sentiments questions and like just asking me about like why I did certain things. And so I feel like, you know what, why not share that? But remember, your decision to do something should not be based on what someone else did. It's like you have to process this information through the filter of your experience, your situation. And remember, when I'm speaking, I don't know your situation. Right. And so like people will ask a question and it's like, I can only give you a response based on my experience. I need you to know that that's not advice. Advice, in my opinion, is when you are giving somebody guidance based on them. 
I don't know y'all and I don't know the intricacies of your finances, of your family life, of your mind state, etc. So please, like, you know, let's make sure that we are not like basing whether or not we're going to buy a house on, you know, uh, 100% on what I'm saying. I just want to help people have a frame of reference and a guide for them to create their own guide. First question, did you find yourself settling for adjustments and finding exactly what you were looking for in order to make a purchase, i.e. five miles west of desired location, four bedrooms instead of five, but there's a finished garage, pool but no front yard, etc.? Um, there's a certain level of that I think that took place, yes, because first of all, the market in California is bonkers and everything goes so fast and there really isn't like a lot of like inventory per se um, because of all of that and because like the prices are so OD, you know, so stuff that may have sold for like $600,000 less is now selling for what it's at and it may not have been like your ideal. Now, in my case, um, I wouldn't say that I settled. I think what I ended up having to realize is that I had like different pockets of what would work. So in the in my original iteration, it was, I want a home by the beach. <laughs> and it was like, okay. But in order for you to live by the beach, you're not able to afford the other things on your list. So my original list is like, I want to live by the beach. I want a minimum of four bedrooms. Um, I want a yard for Jordy. Uh, I want... Um, to be able within those bedrooms, like I want to be able to have my own office space and Devon have his own uh, workspace as well, because I truly believe that this pandemic is not ending anytime soon and we need to be able to comfortably work here. Um, I wanted to be in a neighborhood where I felt like we had convenience and we can get to things. Um, but then I also wanted like a lot of space. So it's like, when you add up all those things, it's like, so you want to live in Orlando. <laughs> no, not even Orlando. It's not by the water. So you want to live in Biolabetri, Louisiana? Like, I mean, it's just like what, Amanda. They're like what you're looking for doesn't exist in California unless you're going to live like in Marina Del Rey, and you need like about two point five more million dollars to do that. So I had to then create buckets. Like, okay, if I'm not going to be like close to the beach, then I need to have a view. If I'm not going to have a yard, then I need to have like access to parks, like very close. And so like things like that also started changing because you start realizing like what you're going to have to do. So I told y'all in the first episode about the property that I had fell in love with, you know, where we were going to like have to do all type of shit to make it work. And it was like, if you got to do all of that, it don't work. It don't work. And also, that property also let me know, like, Amanda, you say you want a yard for Jordy, but honestly, you ain't ready to handle the yard necessities. And that's like a landscaper and a gardener and all of this. And I had to kind of, like, decide, okay, then what is the compromise for that? Um, 
you need to be able to at least have like space for Jordy. And so a lot of these backyards, one thing I will say is my bottom line was I, I have to have a pool. I had to, like that was not up for question. I had to have a pool and I had to have light. And so with Jordy, I had to get a pool space that had space for him to run around. So a lot of these backyards, it's like the pool takes up the entire yard. And then there's like nowhere for like the dog to like exist. So that was like one of the things. So you see what I'm saying? So I don't feel like I settled, but I do feel like I did make adjustments and we ended up in a neighborhood that I never was going to end up in. I had said from the beginning, like, I don't want to be over there. But you also, when you have someone in your life um, and you guys are building a life together, like there's compromises that end up having to be made. And the compromise doesn't have to be in a bad way. It can just be like you finding a middle ground that makes both of you all happy. And sometimes it may take that other person showing you some shit that you just hadn't seen before. And that's what it took in my case. Like the area that I was really just uh, about, like he was able to be like, okay, well, let me tell you about these other factors that can maybe change your mind. And they did. And I'm very happy with where we moved. Next question. How much did you have to come out of pocket in cash through the whole process? Okay, some of these questions, y'all, what, that, just so you know, there's, there are certain levels of questions that are inappropriate. <laughs> that is an inappropriate question. I mean, one thing I will say that is loosely relative to this is the hidden fees. So you think that there's a certain amount that you're going to come out of pocket, which is your down payment, right? Um, but there are a number of other fees that you're going to incur. I'll give you as many of them as I can remember. So first of all, you're going to have to pay for inspections. Now you get like one main inspection, but then a lot of times, and luckily, and hopefully if you have a long enough escrow, you are able to also then have specific inspections. So like you get your main inspection, but then there's also the sewer inspection. There's a termite inspection. If you have a pool, there's a pool inspection. You know, I, I would suggest getting an air conditioner inspection. There are electrical, like there's a number of inspections and you pay for each one. And not every place has a flat, it's not like there's a flat rate. It's like every place has a different amount that they're charging for inspection. So those are costs that you don't know that are you're going to have to pay, but you're going to have to pay. Appraisal. So if you take out a certain level of a loan, you may have to get two appraisals. That second appraisal, you got to pay for. The first one, a lot of times you don't have to pay for, but that second one, you're going to have to pay for that appraisal. So now you've gotten the appraisal that you got to pay for and you had the inspections that you had to pay for. Didn't know you had to pay for those, did you? Yes, you do. Then... You have lender fees. So if you go through a mortgage broker, you're going to have fees associated with them, like getting the loan for you. So it's not like that should surprise you, but it does because like no one talks about it <laughs> during the process. We're just talking about trying to get this loan. Then there's closing fees. So there's like all these fees that pop up at the end called closing fees that have to do with your title and taxes and all type of shit. And you got to pay for all that too. So the down payment 
ends up being just one thing, but you are going to incur a number of other expenses. So when people are asking me things like how much money should I have set aside, you need to have a consciousness about the fact that whatever your down payment is, you can't bank on that being it. So you need to, I would say, again, don't quote me, but I would say consider at least 25% more. And I will always say, never put yourself in a situation where you're going to be completely drained out. Have money on reserve. And if you're getting a loan, you're going to have to show that because they want to know that you can pay it alone. Especially in a COVID America, COVID world, they want to know that if you lose your job, you're going to still be able to have some money in reserve. So just keep in mind that however much you think you're coming out of pocket for your down payment, that ain't it. There's more. And you want to make sure that you account for that. And I'm sure I forgot another hidden fee. Next question. Well, I'm currently renting and I want to buy a house, but not where I currently am. I wanted to look out of town or wait until I officially moved. What is your advice? Because I'm obviously confused. Well, I'm not really quite sure what you're confused about. I mean, if you... If you want to look for a house somewhere else, if you want to buy a house somewhere else, then look somewhere else. I mean, so, people have bought houses without even going to the house, like sight unseen. You know, I have a friend who's buying a house in Texas. I don't know why they're buying a goddamn house in Texas, but I do know why, but I still don't know why they're buying a house in Texas. So they buying a house in Texas. They ain't never seen the house with their own eyes. And, you know... There is a certain expense that you incur with going to a place physically to see it before you move there. But if you can hold on until you have the money to be able to do that, I think that's a very, very, very smart choice. Even if you go to another place and you don't find the exact property at that time, it's still incredibly valuable to just go to that other place and feel that other place in your body. Because what you think you might like may not be the case when you get there. And you you know, pictures can tell a thousand words and a thousand lies. Okay. So you might be like, man, this looks so great. It sounds so great. My friends liked it so much. But then you get there and you notice some shit that they may not have noticed. So it's always important. You know, I remember at one point we were looking at a particular neighborhood that I had felt like I just really liked. And I was just all about this neighborhood. And I was, I was about this neighborhood. And I had just, that's where we're going to go. That's what it is. That's where we're going to go. And um, Devon was like, yeah, but what about this? And he pointed out some shit that I just had, I don't know if I overlooked it or if I just kind of had like not cared, but in him pointing it out, it meant that I couldn't overlook it anymore. And it ended up being the deal breaker. And so it's, it's important, I believe, to try to get your body in the actual space, even if you don't find the actual home at that moment. But then you can also be able to have a scope of reference for the lay of the land, proximity, et cetera, so that even if you're not physically there, you can now be able to have like points of reference when you are looking from a distance. But I think if, if, you, if it was me, if it was me, you know, and I knew that there was a different city or state that I had already explored and I had already liked it. And I, would, I knew that was the area I wanted to go to. I would go there and I would rent there until I can find the house I want. Because at the end of the day, a house is a huge investment. And you want to get somewhere that, that you're going to love, not that you're going to tolerate. Next 
Next question. How do you deal with friends and family slash coworkers who switch up on you once you become a homeowner and say things like, that's a nice little house, emphasizing little in a negative tone to your accomplishment? You don't invite them over. That's how you deal with them. You don't invite them over. And when they say little, you know, and they say, oh, that's a nice little house. You say, you know what? It's the result of a big dream. And anyone who wants to minimize others' accomplishments that are made in good faith, that are made in effort, I I just feel like those people are so sad because they just, you know, they don't like themselves. And and that's that's a much bigger issue than you have to deal with. You got to pay your mortgage. Next question. Now that you are in this luxurious new home of your dreams, wink, (laughs) are you finding little pet peeves or things you didn't like about it that you didn't notice before? Oh, oh, Lord. That answer is yes. Yes. So when we decided on putting a bid in on the house, and all of those things, the house was staged. Now, staged means that they have brought in furniture, they have painted, like they have made the house look a certain way for the purpose of selling it, okay? And so when I came into the house after that furniture and everything had been gone, it just had a different kind of energy and vibe about it. And, um, and I noticed that I felt like it didn't have as much light as I may have liked, And it really wasn't that it didn't have as much light. It just, the light is distributed differently than it was in the other place I was in because of the size of the house and the skylights, et cetera. And I mean, that broke your girl down. I was like, I'm in this dark ass house. And it's not a dark ass house, but it felt like that because of the finality of the decision and also because of the shift in now there being nothing in there, like it's just being completely empty. And then there were little things that like we just didn't even know that we didn't like. So we had, when we decided to change the floor and the foyer and the and the library, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you shouldn't do that right away because, you know, you want to live in the house. And I was like, yeah, but I know that that's going to be the library. And so once we put up all these bookshelves and bookcases, we're never going to move them. We're never going to want to move them. So we need to do it off top. And I'm still very proud of that decision. So the company that we got to do it, they came in, the guy uh, who owns the company, and he's this very tall Ukrainian man, Gregory. And so Gregory comes in and he's looking around and he's looking around and he's just very quiet, but he's looking around. And then he's like, oh my goodness, why did they do this to you? And me and Devon are like, why did they do, why did you what? Why did they do this to you? Why did they put crown molding on the, this is this is ugly. Yeah. I <laughs> I wanted to really just be like, can we just dial the, the, the honesty down? Just just a hair. Just a hair. And we didn't even know what crown molding was. Like, and so for those who may not know what crown molding is. It's like when you see like the, the strips of wood that they'll put between the ceiling and the walls. And it's in a lot of old fashioned homes. And it's also a lot of times that it's a trim that they put on the floor as well. And, you know, it's a certain style choice. 
But this house is is a considerably modern looking home, but it had the crown molding in it. And he was like, it's, it's like they built a modern home, but gave you old fashioned uh, design inside. It's not good. This is no good. And so we were in the middle of having painters paint the house. And he was like, if you have people painting right now, this would be a very good time to tell them to take off the molding. So I had to cough up some more dollars because we felt like he was right. And you know what? He fucking was, y'all. It looked so much cleaner without the molding. I'm looking at it right now. And it just looks so much more just like sleek. And so that's the other thing, too, is just like being able to listen to people and not just be stuck in your own version and vision. Like these contractors, they be doing this shit all motherfucking day. You're going to have to use some discernment on who's giving you actual advice versus trying to get you to pay some more money. But ultimately, I feel like it is worth listening to them because they do this all day. And you ask them about other houses. Like, so do other houses not have the crown molding? Like, which kinds of houses don't have the crown molding? So you have to be also just very willing to ask questions and not feel embarrassed about what you don't know. I make it very clear that I don't know about shit, but I do know how I want to spend my money. And so that's that. Like, you're not going to steamroll me. You're not going to walk over me. But I also just want, I need to learn. I need to get some insight. So that was like, one of those things that I just didn't even know we didn't like. Then there was like recess lighting and like the lights that we had were light bulbs. And we were like, okay, that's fine. And they were like, I mean, I guess. And we're like, what do you mean? And they're like, I mean, it's just old. Like you could get LED lights now and they last longer. They're better for efficiency, for electricity. And, you know, it also just is a lot more practical. And I was like, fuck! Because once you hit me with logic... Now I got to, like, honor the logic. And that means more money. More money, more money, more money. And then there's stuff that you don't realize. Like, yo, why are these light switches from 1989? And, like, these are the types of things that you just kind of overlook, you know? But, like, our light switches, yeah, they were functional. But it's like you're moving into a new house that has, like, the same shit from 1989. Like, literally when it was built. So these are the types of things that, like, I definitely didn't see coming, that I definitely didn't consider to be, like, a problem. And it wasn't until I was, like, in the house that I saw them and was just like, and, and it was just really, like, frustrating. And... um I, I got to say, like, I want to encourage everybody to make sure that even if you're if you're buying a house by your by yourself, um, you know, bring a friend with you, bring somebody with you with a different eye and like tell them to like be watchful of things that you're not going to be watchful for. And that's it. And, like, Devon and I didn't know that, so, like, we were kind of just watching for the same shit. <laughs> but those are the types of things to be watchful for. And it's not to say that, they're, that the seller is going to, like, even pay for them to be changed, but it lets you have a running understanding in your mind of what you want to change and what's a priority and et cetera. Right? Because you just, you don't know. You don't know. And I would say, lastly, one of the biggest things is there's a house 
that sits at the top of a hill behind our yard. And it's like, I just feel like it's Cersei looking down at me from fucking the Red Keep. I never see anybody there. The, dry, the, the blinds are always drawn, but I fucking hate seeing that house. And I'm trying everything in my power to figure out how to block it off. We planted a palm tree. <laughs> like, I just, oh my goodness. I, it, it invades my privacy or at least my, my false sense of privacy. Um, and so, you know, there's that. But ultimately, the bigger picture stuff has been great. And um, it's just having to trust myself and also understand that sometimes I'm going to make mistakes and not beat myself up when I do. Because this is all a new process. And, you know, you kind of sometimes have to do things immediately on a whim. And then other times you have time to research more. And, that, and when you have those opportunities, you do it. Next question. What was the exact benefit of having that specific moving company if you have so much more to do? Was it just the actual moving and placing part that was so helpful or was there more to it? So I utilize a company called Door Squad and Door Squad will pack your things, move them and unpack them um, and organize them. And you can pay for each service individually, right? So it's not like you have to do all of that. If you just want them to pack for you, they can just pack for you. If you just want them to pack and move, they can just pack and move, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in my case, I have a lot of stuff and I don't have a lot of time. So them packing my things became an incredible asset because it meant that I didn't have to like attach myself to the stress of the moving time, moving space prematurely um, until we moved because there's a whole other stress that happens once you get to the destination. And I have packed many a time, many a time. And so like literally being alleviated of that stress was huge. Then moving day, they have a project manager who basically oversees the move. Now, as with them and as with anybody else doing work for you, you need to still always be present in a certain form or fashion, either yourself, an assistant, a partner, etc. Because the, the fact of the matter is, it's still people that you're hiring to work for you. They are not going to incur any repercussions if they don't do the job correctly that you might re, like incur. So, for instance, like if they leave stuff at the other house and um, you didn't know that, you know, then now you're sidled with like, okay, you need to come back and get rid of it or, you know, maybe you forgot something, et cetera. So you need to always make sure that you are being watchful with anybody that you hire to do any work for you, whether it's a painter, whether it's electricians, uh, HVAC people, uh, you always have to be watchful. That doesn't mean you have to be over their shoulder, like micromanaging, but you need to be involved. And I think a lot of us get afraid to be involved because we feel like, one, we're overstepping or like we're just in the way. And I feel like, two, sometimes we're just like, oh, you know, I paid. So like, what do I even need to do that for? Like they're doing their job. And that's not, that's not that. It's just that it's your stuff. It's intimate. It's personal. It's yours. And you're putting it in the hands of people that don't give a fuck about you outside of the gig. So you need to be watchful of your shit. Um... 
So then they move the stuff. And I'll tell you what. Moving day is considered a very, 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 very stressful day. On moving day, I was at World Market. I was at Target. I was not stressed in any form or fashion on moving day. And that paid for itself. <laughs> Being able to have my things moved from the previous destination to this one and not having to um, just have anxi the anxiety of being the sole person responsible was a great relief. It really was. It was a great relief. Now, the third element is them putting this stuff away. And I feel like this is just, it's, a, it's an individual-based thing. I never really wanted them to put stuff away because I just feel like I'm very particular about how I put stuff away. Um, and I also know that I have like a lot of stuff and like little stuff and medium and big stuff. And so I just was like, I just know that they're not going to put stuff away the way that I wanted to be put away. But the owner was like, I want you to have the full experience. I want you to have the full experience. And I was like, I completely, that. okay, fine, let's do it. And so they came and for a day they like started like putting stuff away. But the particular organizing company that was working that day. I don't know that that's, she always, she has like different ones, but this particular one, I don't feel like they were the best choice for me because they hadn't taken pictures uh, or they hadn't, they did not utilize the pictures they had taken of the way things were set up. So when they were putting things away, like they were just kind of willy nilly about it versus like, nah, like this is, is this way. And so when you set it up in the new house, it should be set up this way. Um, and so I, and I also just felt like their methods of organizing were not my considered methods of organizing. And if you're an organized person, I feel like that's not a part of the package that you would need to use. So, you know, when she's saying you have so much work to do, it's like the other part of it too was that because of all of the delays from COVID, I'm missing a lot of furniture. So there was only so much stuff they could put away because there was only so many places to put it away. Like in my office, I'm missing a bookcase. I'm missing two cabinets. Um, and so I just, you know, didn't have anywhere to put that stuff. So they just had to come and put it in here on the floor. So that's the other part of it. Like, I feel like if you have like all of your furniture that you're going to be putting stuff away in, then it can be very useful because they have a point of destination. So overall, like using Door Squad was very helpful in the basic sense that alleviated a lot of the stresses of moving. And they say besides death, moving is the number two cause of stress to Americans, which also sounds very... American. But I think um, considering that like people are full on refugees and have to leave their countries with nothing but the clothes on their backs on a regular basis. And I feel like that's really stressful. But we're like, yeah, but packing up a three bedroom home and moving to a five one is also stressful. So, you know, it is what it is. So that was the point of using that company. And um, it's a black owned company. And I was very happy to be able to patronize a black owned company that uh, she said, you know, it's supposed, they say the term is white glove service, but she's like, I just want to call it black glove service, black glove service. I'm like, well, it really is a black love service because she comes in with so much good energy. She's like your auntie. And she was able to give me more advice than just on how to move things. You know, like when we were going to get the tile work done, she made, made me very, she was like, make sure that they cover everything. Make sure that they're, you know, uh, blocking off this for the dust, you know, things like that, that like may seem obvious to other people. Like I just didn't, 
I didn't even know to tell them that. And that's the other thing, too. Sometimes I feel like we don't know what to tell people who are doing work for us. We don't want to overstep. We don't want to, like, feel like we're massa, you know. And there was some teaching that was done to help me understand, like, no, like, this is a this is appropriate. You can ask these questions. This is appropriate. Like, at the end of the day, you're a client. They're working. There's an understanding. So that was the answer to that question. You know, these DMT questions are, are, are all, you, you know, unique. And I hope everyone is enjoying this DMT session of small doses, side effects of buying and owning a house, because I really hadn't seen such a response to anything that I had talked about in a long time. And I know that it's because particularly in the COVID of things, we've just gotten way more intimate with our living spaces. And a lot of people are just like realizing I don't like this living space. And let me tell you, I know that we're talking about renting and moving and buying houses, etc. But sometimes you can create a new living space within the space that you're in without even having to leave it. And paint is fairly inexpensive, but can really, really change the surroundings of your home overnight. And so if you feel like, you know what, I want to buy a house, but I can't do it right now. I want to leave the place where I'm living, but I can't do it right now. And you're still, but you feel like trapped in the place you're leaving, consider something like just painting the walls or buying some plants. And listen, like you can get plants at inexpensive ways too. Um, You don't have to like go ball out of control, but you can go to nurseries and ask, you know, where are the plants that are maybe on their last leg that you can bring them back. Um, Or, you know, you get succulents and you can really try your best to spruce up the place. But really, I know that there's like a pressure that a lot of people get under about like, I have to go to the next level. But it's like, if you're not there yet, you're not there yet. But it doesn't mean that you have to feel like you haven't advanced. And I think paints and plants can do so much for a living space. And of course, we can never forget decluttering. The declutter is not only about just getting shit out of the space, but it's also about you taking control. And the feeling that you get when you take control of of making your space feel better is empowering. And that empowerment, it, it fosters hope. It fosters creativity. It fosters movement and action. And, you know, I always quote Jessica Laniedo, don't abandon yourself. Don't abandon yourself. So, and also, you know, there's, there's this, it's like, it's like working out. There's just like an energy that's good when you are shifting something into a better place for yourself. So just wanted to insert that into this episode because I know that we're doing a lot of talking about making this big leap, but there are, there are, you know, smaller steps that, they, that can be taken on the way to it that can have very big advantages. Next question. Do you think buying a house in LA is actually worth it considering how ridiculously expensive homes are compared to how much we can actually rent them out for? Asking as someone who also just bought a house after having a condo for two years. I mean, listen, I'm not moving. So is it worth it? It's worth it for me beyond just the money of it all. It's worth it for me because I wasn't expe- I wasn't about to move to Texas or Kansas or Ohio or any of these places where they're like, the, the real estate is so much better. And it's like, well, yeah, because there really isn't the stuff there that I can get here. Um, you know, it, the loan um, interest rates are so low that it's beneficial. Uh, in a certain way to be getting a house that normally would be the price it is plus a crazy interest rate. 
But, you know, when we talk about when things are worth it, for me, worth is more than just a money-based thing. Um, And at the end of the day, like, this is where I'm at. So this is where I was going to buy a house at. Like, I I wasn't interested in... in, uh, moving somewhere to buy a house for a certain value. Like that's, I'm not a like real estate person like that. I'm so, you know, but some people really are about that. And I get that. I get that. But for me, it was more about like, how do I find another space that brings me joy within this place that a lot of times pisses me the fuck off, but that is nonetheless the place where I need to be. Next question. Please mention how to recognize and report discrimination and warning signs to be mindful and when applying for financing. It is a great hindrance and many people don't know they have rights or how to recognize when they are being discriminated against in financial environments. I hate to say this, but I do not know the answer to that question. I actually don't know how to report uh, discrimination and warning signs. I don't. And, you know, I was very, very fortunate to not have to have dealt with that face to face. But my lender did say that he felt like there was some sketchiness that was happening behind the scenes in relation to my file that he feels like was related to me being one, an entertainer two a woman, a single woman and three black. And, um, you know, there's, I, I am embarrassed to say that I don't know the answer to where to report that. But I hope that in bringing this to y'all's attention, um, I will be Googling and that you Google too on what to do because yes, it is a hindrance. And yes, it is not like some 1950s thing where they're trying to keep black folks and just anybody who's not white out of certain neighborhoods. That's absolutely still a thing that's going on. And being able to uh, continuously report it and put it on record ideally helps to challenge these things from being uh, continued. So thank you for that question. And, um, I do need to get into that. You're right. Next question. HOA or no. <laughs> so HOA is the homeowners association and certain neighborhoods have HOAs and some don't. And listen, not every HOA is created equal. Some HOAs be all up in your shit. I have a friend whose HOA would not let her paint her house. Her house was yellow. She wanted it to be white and they would not let her paint her house. What do you mean they won't let her? So when you're in a homeowners association, it's usually like a gated community type situation where you are paying a certain amount of money every month into this pot that is run by board elected people from the neighborhood, homeowners from the neighborhood that are making decisions about not just the neighborhood, but also um, certain things relating to your homes. So when you see like on TV shows, like, oh, like they came and harassed me because my lawn wasn't mowed, like that's the homeowner association. When you see scenarios where it's like, oh, I had to ask for permission to change my roof color. Like that's the homeowners association and they can be a fucking pest. They really can be a pest. I mean, I personally would not want a homeowners association, but I mean, sometimes that's just the way it crumbles. So like, for instance, I'm now part of a homeowners association, but what I did was they have to give you 
the homeowners association documents before you sign and before you buy your house. And those documents are their minutes from like the last year of their meetings. And so that lets you know what they really be on about in these meetings. And it lets you know kind of like the type of things that they really are sticklers about. It lets you know the type of things they expect you to ask for permission for. And it also lets you know about how quickly they move in making approvals and all those things. So I felt comfortable with this homeowners association. I was also able to get word from the seller that they're not like crazy like that. But ultimately it does feel like, damn, I bought a house and I still got to ask permission to do shit. And it's like to do certain shit. Yeah, you do. But the part of that is also because you're in a neighborhood, you know, and the idea is that when you're in a neighborhood, there's still a certain level of rules and decorum and consideration that has to be done to keep up not only the property values, but also to keep up good naturedness amongst your neighbors. And, you know, so it's, it has its, it has its good and bad, but ask around, look at those minutes, get into it. It may seem boring. Do it, do it. It's worth it. Next question. Not to invade your privacy. They definitely about to try and invade my privacy. But I'm curious about how you protected yourself and your investment when you decided to have your boyfriend reside with you. If he does, there are many assumptions here, I know. She puts like the hand to the face emoji. I am worried about someone trying to make a claim on my investment. Various tenant laws say that once a person is getting mail delivered, you cannot simply put them out. If the relationship doesn't work out, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, listen... This is true. Uh, There is a certain level of security that you can do for yourself by getting paperwork drawn up, legal paperwork, and getting it notarized. That very clearly says that if I, at any point, as the owner of a property, decide to no longer share this space with this person, that I have a specific amount of time that I have to give them, you know, and that's like a thing. Now, I know in different states there's different rules, right? So, like, there's different places that say, like, you know, if someone is staying in your home, um, then you have to give them, and they're getting mail there, that you have to give them, I think it's like 30 days notice, right? Now, all of that changes if you're married. If you own a home, and then you marry somebody, and then they come and live in your home, well, now they have a right to own your home. And so that's when shit gets very sketch, Master 2000. Super sun and sketchy, super sun and sketchy. And so I know that in the process of purchasing this home, um, and, you know, I wanted to purchase my own home. And so my partner was like, go for it. <laughs> like It wasn't anything deeper than that. But I had so many women who were like, you're purchasing the home in your name only, correct? And I was like, I mean, yes, but there was such an energy around just the independence and self-protection of having your own property. And it's not to say that like your partner can't purchase the next home and then you have an investment property or they have an investment property. Like all of these things are possible. But I think for this new, you know, relatively new stage of financial independence that women are seeing themselves in, what used to be normal of just like, it was assumed that, you know, the man of the house was going to buy the house and you were going to live in it. That is not necessarily always the case anymore. Then there's a thought process of like, well, you know, you pooling your money and you don't even have to be married, but pooling your money together to get a house, that's a whole other thing. But the thing about it is that the legalities of all of these situations are very nuanced depending on where you live and depending on the particulars of your situation. And, you know, are you with a nigga that's just going to try and stay somewhere that he doesn't want to be at no more? And you got to know what kind of nigga you with. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that I'm with a nigga who, like, if, if I don't want him here, that nigga don't want to be here. Okay? I know that. I would, but I, there's very few things that I would swear by, as my mother would say, but I would swear by that. Um, and, you know, you also have to understand that there is a certain power dynamic in that that you have to respect and regard and preserve. And that is, I think, the hardest thing for a lot of women in these situations who are owning a property with a partner that um, you feel like, you know, you do have to make it very clear that you are respectful of what they're bringing to the space. And, you know, that you're not going to be willy nilly about just uh, when you <laughs> about throwing out that this is my house, you know, like all of that doesn't really work for fostering um, a healthy home setting because we still are in a transitional time where. The male roles in this country and patriarchal spaces are still set on like, oh, the man is supposed to dot, dot, dot. And so there's a lot of innovation in being able to say like, well, you know, that's not our situation, but this is how we are respectful of each other. And this is how we are mindful of the realities and legalities. So in my case, you know, I think it was about having open communication. No, I think, I know. It's about having open communication and it's about, you know, taking certain steps to put things on paper and also being aware that, you know, how things are may not be how they're going to be. And so at the same time that I'm saying like, you know, think the best, don't over romanticize shit, you know, because the truth of the matter is that you can very easily find yourself in situations that you would never have imagined with a person. And I've heard horror stories about that. I've heard horror stories about people being like, you know, I never thought this person would ever flip on me like that. I never thought this person would ever do that. And so you want to make sure that you are uh, preserved or that you have the, at least have the capabilities and the means, right? to support yourself. Like, here's another question. Someone said, I was planning to buy a house with a significant other. We broke up. I still want to buy a house, but it doesn't feel right to do this alone. Do you buy your house on your own? Did you buy your house on your own? And if so, what helped you to not have social pressures to do this on your own? I'm an independent person, but I've always wanted to do it with my future husband. I'm still grieving that this didn't happen. Well, you can grieve that it didn't happen, but at the end of the day, the nigga ain't with you. Okay. He's not with you. You're not together anymore. So if the plan was to buy a home, then buy the home. If, if, if the plan was to buy a home with this person and that person isn't there anymore, then maybe that isn't the next step. But if you was going to buy the home and that was the next step, this person simply just removed themselves from the next step. And I think a lot of people feel this way where they feel like, you know, we were going to do this thing and now this person's not here. So should I still do this thing? And the, re the, 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 the frustrating part about these scenarios is that, you know, people present themselves in such a way that you feel like you can make these big decisions. Um, and then they pull the rug out from under you. And now it makes it seem like these big decisions are not of value anymore. I think what that person taught you was that they weren't the right person to, <laughs> to do something so massive with. And it shouldn't, in my, I mean, she's asking me, so my opinion is no. You don't not buy your home because this motherfucker left. If you, if you wanted to buy a house, then buy a house. And whoever is for you will meet you where you're at.
And I don't think that buying a house with a partner, I feel like that's over-romanticizing the, the act of buying a house. I think that when it comes to like this whole partner thing and marriage, et cetera, et cetera, uh, there's a certain sec, there's a certain part of it that is about love. But there's also another part of it that's just about legal. It's about taxes. It's about law. You know, it's a contract. And so I feel like when you're bringing in that I wanted to buy a house with a significant other as a piece of the love part, I don't know. You can build a home with a significant other. You can make a home. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that doesn't mean that y'all have to buy the home together. It doesn't. And I think at the end of the day, it still kind of brings us back to the idea that like there has to be a man in the picture for it to be valid or valuable for this step to be made, you know, and for you to be able to like create this um, safe space. And as the daughter of a single mother who moved across the nation into a home and figured out how to fucking landscape the whole lawn and uh, managed to get an entire uh, piano moved across the nation and get me into great schools all by herself, like, you do what's going to serve you. When people remove themselves from being a part of your light, you cannot allow them to be the source of your darkness. So if it was meant for you to make that step, then that person being there is not a part of why you shouldn't make that step. They just have shown that they are not a part of that step. The last dose. So that's that. On the house. We did two whole episodes talking about this shit. I feel like I have decompressed to a certain extent. Um, I just love all the inquiries, particularly from all the women, because like I said, like it's the time. Listen, even my dentist was like, hold up, you buying this house on your own, right? <laughs> because it it wasn't an option for so many of the women of great of older generations you know and it was such a big fucking deal for them to be able to do it and then they were frowned upon or they were seen as spinsters etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that they also see it as legacy building and continuing the work of the women who came before us to really forge forward and say like we are equal in the society it's not to say that we don't need men it's not to say that we don't appreciate the presence of men it's not to say anything even in the scope of that all it is is to say that like our movement through this world economically and as owners should not hinge upon the presence of men. And um, I'm very proud of myself for being able to make this accomplishment. I am very excited about the prospect of, you know, creating and growing this home with my partner. And I'm also like really looking forward to just getting to see my artistic aspects like blossom in this space, not just like in my work, but also literally in this space and like getting to try new things creatively and stuff. Like I'm, you know, while preparing bookshelves, you can see that going down on my Instagram. Uh, but everybody who asks questions, you know, keep doing research, but don't find yourself in a place where you're just stuck in the research phase and not in the action phase. Get out there, put your mask on, see places, um, if you feel like the mojo isn't right, you can rest and come back to it. If you got a deadline, get busy, get focused, don't be scared, forge ahead. And for all the people of color, particularly for black people, you deserve to have ownership. Don't let 
the ignorance about the process deter you. Don't let the knowledge that there could be hindrances based on discrimination deter you. Don't let the immense amount of strangers that you're going to have to trust deter you. Forge forward. Educate yourself. Learn the language and the lingo so that you can ask the questions so you can know what you're doing and so that you can pass it on to your friends and to your family and to your children so that when it is their time to do so, to buy a house, they're not like walking around in the dark and you're able to be of assistance. I will tell you that my mother and my aunt helped me so much in this process with their information and with their experience. And I feel very fortunate to now have information to be able to pass on to you guys. So happy hunting. Star Avenue, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.